Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, guys, and welcome to another little pepperoni slice of your favorite Nicolas Cage podcast. I'm only saying your favorite because you're listening to this one, so... Uh, if if it's not your favourite, then why 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 are you listening to multiple Nicolas Cage podcasts? Um, I'm your host Petros Patsilvis, and I just need to kind of say up front uh, there's a little bit of a disclaimer with this one. For about an hour or so uh, whilst recording, I did not realise I'd not changed a little setting on uh, the recording device I use. Uh, on my laptop, the software, and I recorded the audio for this episode through my laptop microphone. So if it sounds shit, um, sorry. Yeah, maybe, maybe sorry. Maybe it's a free podcast and people make mistakes. Um, I had been working all day that day and I made a little mistake. And me and Bob, um, joined by Bob from Tonight with Bob and Joe. Check those guys out on anywhere you get podcasts or on social media. They're, they're very, very good guys. Uh, they're at Tonight Podcast on Twitter and Tonight with Bob and Joe on Facebook. And yeah, we we thought there is no point trying to re-record the conversation we'd already had because it just wouldn't be the same it wouldn't be genuine it would just be guys trying to retread the same jokes they'd already made and the impressions they'd left on each one of us would not be the same we would kind of be faking it so it's better to just put out this podcast with shitty audio quality um and that 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 reminds me, if you have a problem with the shitty audio quality, um, jump on iTunes, rate, review, unsubscribe if you're not happy with the audio quality, but please do subscribe. Um, Five-star reviews would be great. Obviously, this episode might might make you want to give it a lower score because of audio quality, but... The content is still the same. Okay, guys, let's just think about that for a moment. Let's just think they're still, they still make valid and interesting, hopefully funny points. So let's not mark us down 
or poor audio quality. Let's just cut us a break, cut us some slack and enjoy it. But before you do enjoy it, we have to take another little journey on over to my man on the anagram front. And that is the anagram hunter on Twitter at Thomas T-H-O-M-A-S underscore W. That is the letter W that looks like two V's next to each other. You know that one. Underscore again. You know that little line. Hunter, as in the person who gets animals, you know, nasty people. Sometimes not if they're hunting for food. It could be quite a good thing, but that is a, a totally different point. Which I think I may have made on a, another intro, but uh, that doesn't matter. Um, he has provided two... Not just one, two anagrams for the weatherman. And I'm going to have a little poke around now to see if those might inform the film. Which I've already watched because I'm recording this after the fact of watching it. So let's have a little look. The first one we have is The Methane War. So um, that could be that Nicolas Cage or his character in this film just talks out of his ass, and in a lot of instances he's he does and it often feels like the writers of this film are talking out of their fucking ass. so the methane war bang that one works and the other one is where the man at that may refer to a ongoing thing that happens throughout this film with michael kane's character who um where that man at? Where that man at? Because he just appear wherever that man at, who is Nicolas Cage. Wherever he is, he's like, he's like Michael Caine said, like, where that man at? Well, I'm there. I'm there. I just appear <laughs> out of nowhere. And I'm there. I'm where that man at. So, those were our anagrams. And this is, uh, yeah, the weatherman. Enjoy the episode. Rate, review, subscribe. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at CagedInPod. CagedInPod at gmail.com. CagedInPodcast.com. That's uh, all the ways you can keep in touch. Let's let's have a little let's have a little chat about stuff. And we'll have um yeah. Got some got some things lined up. Got more episodes coming every week. You're gonna get one. You might even get two a week sometimes, little bonus episodes. I think I may be due for a uh, checking in where I do an IQ test soon. Um, I'll keep that one nice and short and sweet and might add some, some something else fun and interesting in that. I'm not quite sure yet. I'm just kind of chatting shit now. But enjoy the episode. Feels like I've been awake for days. Watch a film starring Nicolas Cage. Could be shit or it could be fun. Valley girl face off an army of one. Deadful Cornell, Lord of War, the Wicker Man, Trespass, and so many more. Know how it starts, I don't know how it ends. The first ten are solo, then it's me and some friends. No distractions, no expectations over the weeks. Hear my frustrations. I guess the podcast is about to begin. I'm your host, Petra Plasilevis, and I'm caged in. Hello, and today we are here to talk about the Weatherman. I'm not alone, I'm joined by Bob. Hello. Hello. Of <laughs> of tonight with 
Bob and Joe. Um, how are you, Bob? Are you well? I'm very good, Petrus. How are you, man? I'm good. I've had a long day at work, and I'm ready to see uh, what the weatherman has <laughs> to say. Uh, I believe B. Will it be said, rainy? "Will it be rainy? Will it be sunny? Will it be cage? Will it be, yeah? Will it be cloudy with uh, spots of cage in the air?" Um, and as B. Witch famously said, "Blame it on the weatherman." <laughs> I but think you should. If this film is terrible, all you know we'll be blaming it on one certain man, <laughs> and that is Nicolas Cage. Um, before we get into it, Bob, I need to ask you, like I ask everyone. Have you seen this film before? I have. I have, uh, to answer your question, Petros, I have seen this film before. In fact, I saw it alone. I think I might have been, I don't know what year this was released, but I reckon I was 11 or 12 years old. And it was one of those films that, one of the first films I think I went to see on my own. Probably not the best film to see on your own. It was something sort of vaguely depressing that I remember about. I don't really know exactly. Um, But I remember, I don't know, I didn't enjoy it that much. But I'm willing to give it a second chance. Uh, were you an odd child? <laughs> was I child? Yeah, yeah. You know, I was home educated. I'm not fucking mental. <laughs> All right, I love it, but you know, but I was home educated, so I had a lot of free time on my hands. When I wasn't uh, masturbating or playing video games, I was going to the cinema to watch Nicolas Cage films. So nice. Yeah. I, I I vaguely remember seeing this film. Um, maybe around a similar age, maybe a few years, and I remember enjoying it. Or like I, I can't really remember. I just I remember I've seen it and remember like thinking like he's got like he's got really wispy hair in this. Like I don't know his hairline throughout this whole thing has been a roller coaster of like back and forth. I think maybe this film is maybe the sort of the beginning of the end for his, maybe his real hair. I don't know. Is that true? Or uh, you... I don't know. I don't know. There's been some real like it's been on a steady like decline since yeah, maybe yeah. like face off like so we're, we're a good like nearly 10 years later and it's like not much better um yeah like i i know nothing about who directed this film um like searching into my my memory palace i can't find it yeah no he's, he's a big guy he's a big dude i've no idea i don't mean physical <laughs> i mean he's definitely he's an important he's a large director and i have no idea <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock, he was a, he was a rotund <laughs> man. Obviously not, you don't mean in stature. Um, if only, Hitchcock's <laughs> weatherman, but no. Um, yeah, like, I have no idea who's in it. Like, obviously I know Nicolas Cage in it, otherwise mm-hmm. I wouldn't be, like, watching it. But I have been stunned before by... Uh, There's sort of, someone else big in it, I just can't fucking remember who it is either. There's somebody big. Well, like, and I've, I've, I've committed to this so much, and obviously I wanted space on my shelves. I have, um... Got rid of all the DVD cases for the Nicolas Cage films <laughs> and now store them in like a uh, 150 capacity CD wallet, which just makes me look like a madman. <laughs> I've, I've like kind of, I've kind of you, figured you carry that out. it through the streets like a drug dealer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to buy some Cage? You want to buy some Cage, mate? Um, which like is one thing. I like. I'm looking right now. I actually have two copies of uh, The Runner because it was one I was missing. Uh, on DVD, so I bought it off of Amazon. Boo, Amazon! Oh, people like well, they're bad people. They're fucking cheap. Uh, and um, I actually found it on a superior uh, quality of Blu-ray. Nice. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in in my local CX for fifty p. So fucking long. That is a hell of a deal. Man. Yeah, hell so, of a deal. So expect at some point a very like crap <laughs> giveaway of a film 
that I imagine is no good, <laughs> The Runner, on DVD. I'm keeping the blue ray for myself. What's it about? It's about running, is it? I have no idea. I have no idea. All I know is, from looking at the, like, discs, it has the same font as the film that preceded it in its catalogue. So, obviously, they're, like, uh, it's a bit sloppy in, like, maybe the same film studio had a two-film deal. Just, just didn't give a shit. Yeah, they were like, oh, just churn, churn this out. Maybe everyone's got a bit of pizzazz on one of the letters, but um, yeah. So I guess there's only one thing left to do, mm-hmm. and that is to get raging with Cage. Wow, let's get raging with Cage. So have we had sunny weather, or has it been a shit storm of snow and fuckery? Let's have a little look at what we thought of the weatherman, directed by. Gore Verbinski. Do you know much about Gore Verbinski? Oh, um, I fucking know nothing about Gore Verbinski. Right. I know he's a big guy. Well, so Gore Verbinski <laughs> is one of the spearheads behind uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Uh, nice. Say what you will about those. Uh, and directed the animated lizard movie Rango, starring Johnny oh, Depp. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that lizard film. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> and this, this is a very different... Take well, not a different take, but a different like a different lane to those films. Yeah, um, I think I, I, I mentioned uh, what I'll say right now. It, it is Gore Verbinski's lowest budget film. I mentioned it earlier. I didn't know who the director was, but it's his lowest budget film. Do you reckon there's somewhat of a passion project? Maybe. Yeah. Well, I would say that for one reason and one reason alone as well is that apparently because it wasn't snowing when they when they, it was supposed to be in winter, but it was actually in summer when they filmed the thing. Uh, uh, Nicolas Cage was so adamant that they had to film it in Chicago because of the, the the story was set in Chicago. I mean, I don't really. I'm not a Chicago man. I don't know much about Chicago, but I don't know why it had to be filmed there necessarily. But it had to be. So every snow scene you see there is completely created. Every, they had to look like fucking hundreds of thousands of snow machines. Amazing. That's fucking insane. <laughs> Considering as <laughs> we'll get into now. The plot of this film, uh, like a, a little feature that I've accidentally called "What the fuck happens," um, which is quite a drawn-out feature because we go through every single minute detail of every single Nicolas Cage film, and sometimes episodes end up being longer than the films themselves. So, kind of making the podcast redundant because you could watch it, <laughs> you could watch the film in Forget question. About the fucking podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? If you look at this, if you look at this running time of this episode, and it's longer than an hour and thirty-seven minutes, just tune off. Just fuck, fuck it off. The thing is, if yeah, 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 yeah. If you get up to this point and you're looking at it and going, "Fucking, hell, it's two hours long," then just tune out. Tune out, guys. And just watch the film. Make your own opinion. Don't listen to two fucking drunken idiots talk about what the fuck happens. That's good film. advice. That's good advice, Petros. So. Talking about the snow, this starts off like with a nice icy water, which is very like it's sh- kind of shifting and it's quite soothing. Like, I was like, oh, maybe we're in for a, a good soothing ride. It's going to be a nice cleansing of the soul. This film, yeah, it's an arty, it's an arty fucking opening, actually. Yeah. It reminded me of something like a uh, Irinatu or something like a sort of like a Birdman or or the Revenant or something. Yeah, it has that kind of. And it, like, kind of gets straight into it. There's no, like, big credit scene. It just literally says, 
the weatherman. Bang, we're straight in it. And um, then we see Nicolas Cage kind of going about his morning. Uh, he plays Dave Spritz or Dave Spritzel um, because he's shortened his name down because it's a bit more pizzazz for the for the wet for the weather business. Um, but one of the first things I wrote down about this film is definite hairpiece. We were talking earlier about yeah. about, about his hair. His hair in National Treasure, the last film I watched, <laughs> did not look like this. <laughs> His head Look, of hair. I, to be fair, though, in the wind, and there's a lot of wind in this film, it blows that, that wig very well. And it, I mean, to be fair, for a while I thought, that's got to be his hair. I mean, I mean, that just shows you how fucking next gen these wigs were in what? In 2020? Yeah, 20. 20- Two thousand and five. Two thousand and five. Wigs were next gen. Right now, wigs must be like fucking <laughs> shit on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can only imagine. I've seen videos on Facebooks of wigs, like guys were like with very bad receding hair, and they've got these kind of like jazzed up videos, diving in pools, like having a good old time, <laughs> and they look like these kind of preened like magaloof like <laughs> lads ready for it. Kind of got like, a bit of a pomp going on, and they're loving it. And they look shit hot. I'm, I'm kind of there thinking, like, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm going a bit on top myself. Oh. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, the listeners at home have uh, know that, but because um, I always wear hats in any photos that <laughs> you see, that's because I'm going fucking bald, guys. Just like Nicolas Cage, but unlike him, I've embraced it. I've gone fuck it. I've, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I look up to men like Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> that's my Die Hard. It's one of my favourite oh. films. <laughs> I, I think it's possible though that that Cage has embraced it as well. I, I haven't actually seen pictures of him in just in person recently maybe, I, I think maybe his his you know his financiers they go you better wear a fucking wig for this film mate kind of thing as opposed I don't know yeah I reckon I reckon um, the balding man is a bit more of a, a niche character than, uh, <laughs> yeah. than, the, than the full headed man the mysterious cage wizard yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it kind of he kind of, right. it's a, there's a lot of like voiceover in this and he's yeah. kind of talking to himself about like I am refreshed I am refreshing. And he kind of like... Well, he's saying that drops really quickly. He has these like weird ticks where he's moving about his apartment. He's like kind of clicking his fingers and like... For a second, it looks a bit like Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, Vampire's Kiss all like reminded me very much of Matchstick Men where he plays like a OCD sufferer. And it's like... I thought like, oh, maybe this is going to be like a character trait or or maybe he just fucking hadn't dropped it from from Matchstick Men. Like, it was filmed quite... And uh, Gore Verbinski sat him down and went, drop that shit, mate. Like, drop that shit. Like, come on. You can't keep this up uh, for the whole film. And then it moves on to him. uh, Like, he gets a ticket on his car and he's there at, like, the DMV or wherever you go to pay fines and has a run-in with a a fan. Is that what you'd call... I don't know... One thing I thought about this film is how are like weathermen? Are they are they that famous? Like I, sp- I suppose in local communities because what we don't really have that I think we do have local channels. So there is a Brighton channel, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but we don't really think about like local TV stations. But in in certain areas of, of America, they've got a TV station that is unique to that city. Like so, I think that you know, and that will that's what you, when you switch on one or two, it's not like BBC. It comes up with that. Yeah, yeah. fucking channel so it's your weatherman from that city so that kind of makes more sense yeah yeah do, could, could you like I can name one weatherman and that is uh, Michael Fish oh Michael Fish of course notoriously fucked it up yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the great hurricane of 89 <laughs> 
and uh, and people, old women, used to hit with umbrellas and stuff afterwards. Isn't that right? For That's 10 years. great. That is great. That's pretty wild. Actually, I can I can mention another meteorologist. Uh, her name is Elizabeth. El- oh, sorry, already fucked up. <laughs> Elizabeth Sari, and uh, she is fucking gorgeous. She was actually my first uh, first ever crush on television. Nice. She's a, a weather lady, uh, genuine meteorologist. She was on a holiday to uh, to Hawaii. And she got sort of a part from her friends, ended up getting locked in a cabin during a hurricane, had to chain herself to the, to the actual building in order to stop herself from being whisked away by the hurricane. And as she was being whisked in this sort of crazy shed mess, she said to herself, if I survive this, I'm going to become a meteorologist. And she did. And she went on the BBC. That is, that is like fucking hats off. That's the fucking hats. weather, man. Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. My yeah. hat is off to you, madam. Um, My heartthrob. But this guy at the like DMV is asking for an autograph, and just Dave's not into it, is he? He's just like, no, no. no mate, like, oh, I'm fucking. I'm just not, waiting in line, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm not that guy, and like, obviously, he's got papers with his name on it. And the guy is like, you don't have to be such a dick, and keeps calling him bro. You know, like, don't be a dick, bro. You don't have to do this, bro. Come on, I can read your papers, bro. And um, he is—he is just a bit of like I don't know—he's a real uptight, just like fucking arsehole, basically. They, yeah, yeah. From this point, I, I don't. Apparently, know. everyone has a bit of paper in their pocket, just ready for an autograph. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we see him at work doing his weatherman moves, just moving about that green screen, real suave, real swish, and. Um, then he drives his, like, yeah, he's driving his daughter, and she's like, I want to get out, I want to walk home. And, like, she she then buys cigarettes <laughs> oh, as yeah. a 12-year-old. That's fucking inexplicable. Oh, no, no, oh, yeah, they do smoke later. Oh, yeah. At the time, I was like, what is going on? I thought he was, like, buying, I thought she was buying it for her mum. It's sort of, obscure, sort of like, the mum's not supposed to be smoking, but yeah, she yeah. is. No, but you do see them smoking for a bit. When they Are they calling a dog a bitch? No, they're just they're the dog. No, they're just calling it a girl. They're just calling a girl <laughs> oh, like, Trisha. They call her a, yeah, Trisha's a bitch. Um, and then, then her friend's like, I just want to one-up the fact that Trisha's a bitch. Like, no, Trisha's a cunt. Oh, yeah, Trisha's <laughs> a fat cunt. Of I feel the same. So. <laughs> yeah, I wish I wish I'd seen this Trisha to make my own mind up to be like, well, yeah, fucking she is. Um, but, yeah, I, the cashier, no question. Yeah, literally it's just no like, questions asked. But it's not even that she's supposed to look old. It just no. happens. She is 12 years old. I think they're basically saying the cashiers of Chicago are fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And then when he... Uh, when uh, Dave goes to his parents' house and his dad is brought in with the... Got, it's Michael Caine. Yeah, Michael Caine. Yeah, yeah. Bob had said there was a, a big name a in big this name. film. It's a big, a big director guy and a big name. <laughs> I didn't know who either of them were. But as as we first reveal Michael Caine, it mentions the daughter's name, and he says, which is Shelley, and he says in the worst American accent possible, Shelley is grossly overweight and unhappy, which is a hell of a fucking opening for a Michael Caine character. 
Yeah, it's no, it's no. You fucking hate him already, really? Yeah, there's no, it's not, it's no, it's no. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors <laughs> off, isn't yeah, it? You're like, oh, thanks for that, Michael. Yeah. You're, you're not a good like. You're not like a maybe. I have a sort of, so I, I kind of could like him later on. You hate him now. Yeah, and you'd already seen earlier that uh, in um, Dave's apartment that he's kind of got like books, <laughs> books of, yeah, his, yeah. of his dad and like. When when we're like shown into the apartment of his parents, like you see like a Pulitzer Prize and like photos of him with people who I think you're supposed to recognise who they are. I was just going, oh, it's a lot of like it's a lot of photos of <laughs> Michael Caine CGI'd onto someone. I, I had to wonder if they were actual just a OG fucking Michael Caine photos that they just used for it, or whether or not they'd actually done. Something yeah, I wasn't sure. Like, like yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I like to believe he just gave them his entire sort of yeah, collection. Yeah. Just me, do with it what you will, yeah. Me and Sydney Potter, yeah, you say that. Me and, me, me, me and somebody else, yeah. Don't you make a blame, like, go us off. What happens next? What happens next, Sergio? One of the things I, I've got down here is how the fuck did they think that, like, Michael Caine and Nicolas Cage would be father and son? Like, yeah. they, come on, like. And like, suddenly, weirdly, for a moment, toward the end, I sort of bought it, but but, but, but mo- mostly, no, I fucking didn't buy it. But I don't know. You know what they should have done is they should have just made him. They should have just not given him that shitty fucking accent. Michael Caine can't do an American accent, so let's just let's not fucking beat around the bush. Just get him to do his normal accent. Yeah, it would make sense that he a could British move to America. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he has a son. I don't. He's not trying. Everyone who knows Michael Caine in America isn't going. Oh, he's doing a great American accent. They they're going. They're going. Why is he doing this shit American accent? <laughs> it doesn't make you know ugh, such a wacky fucking thing. And he does it in a couple of films, and he always falls short. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's a, it's a classic trope of just like it's one thing that Nolan does right as well. He never makes him do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no matter where he. Is. Hello, Mr. Wayne, it's me. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off, aren't you, Mr. Wayne? She was only 17 (laughs) And um, Dave is there for unhappy reasons because he's taken his dad to the doctors. And uh, you see, like, in this moment, that Dave is, like, deeply unhappy. He's just, like, he looks fucking miserable, like, the weather outside is terrible, and we had to sit through this bleak existence that is the weatherman. And on that note of that beep, I just gotta go get some food and we'll get back to it, guys. So, at the doctor's office, uh, Dave is there, and his dad asked him to buy a coffee. No, he asked him to buy a newspaper, and to get them change for the newspaper, he goes to buy a coffee. And because um, of that bloody tax they have in America, like you, you, you go up to the till and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, nine ninety nine. I'll pay for that. And like, oh, that's twelve pound seventy three, please. Uh, he does not have enough money for the paper. Comes back to his dad, and he's not a happy bunny. Um, he's a very stern man. Uh, is it is it Robert Robert Spritzel? I don't know if his name is Robert. I can't remember. I think it's Robert. <laughs> Robert, yeah, because he, he refers to him a lot by his name, which I think is like, like Robert. Yeah. And he's like, it shows that like there's a distance between him and his father, and it seems that he's craving a lot of his father's affection and attention a lot of the time. And like, um, there's a voiceover that talks about how successful his dad was, like how he'd won the Pulitzer Prize, and like 
had written all these amazing books and stuff like that. About what, though? Does it actually mention? Never talks about what. No, no, no. (laughs) At first, I thought he was like a a, a sort of a big weatherman who wrote books. And then as the story went on, I was like, no, he's not weatherman. No, no. I think it's like, um, I don't know, some type of, some um, novelist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why that took me so long to figure out the word novelist. Because there's Um, there's a lot of moments in it where he keeps saying, he keeps saying how he's like, he's like, you know, he's not a, he's not a, it's not, he's not a meteorologist. He's not a real, doesn't have a degree in meteorology. And I thought that was, his dad was like pissed off about that or something. There's a lot in this film that kind of like, I don't know, it like, like, this is a film that kind of lacks on like the traditional like story arc. It's not really like, it is just kind of almost like a snapshot into this man's life, like Robert uh, Dave Spritz's life. It's not Dave so Spritz. much a, like a. Here's the yeah. Here's the girl. Do you know what I mean? It's not like a a journey. Like, it's not like a journey or anything like that. It's just literally here. Oh no! Although, but there is one flashback. But we'll get to that later. Yeah. yeah. Um, and after the incident at the doctor's office. Um, Dave is caught in gridlock traffic and then it cuts to a flashback of him last summer with his daughter taking her to an archery class because he's just trying to find what she is into because she's just kind of flits around. I was very much like this as a child myself. My parents just couldn't find... (laughs) <laughs> what 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 to do with me? Like, Is it Dungeons and Dragons, Petros? Yeah, yeah. football, <laughs> football. No, I don't like football. Like, like, ah, the ball's coming at me. What did I do? Um, like, I eventually settled. I went to a um, surprise, surprise. Went to a drama oh. <laughs> singing and like oh. dance school on a Saturday, which Classic. was yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was there, jazz handing it up. Like, as um. There's a video somewhere of me um, dancing on stage at the Horf in Crawley. Big up Crawley. The Horf. The Horf. So it's not a poor man's The Horn. No, no, no. no. <laughs> the Horf is the, like, uh, it's the theatre in Crawley. Oh, it? oh, it's big deal. And, um, yeah, yeah, big, 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 big deal. Big deal, big deal. Panto every year. They get Julian Clary down. And in the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, um, and I think Russell, Russell Brands played there. Like I don't know, must have been must have been a down year. Um, <laughs> money's a bit tight. Uh, and yeah, it's a video of me dancing in a luminous, like yellow, um, umbro t-shirt to uh, Will Smith's Miami. If you remember that Ooh. song. Oh, that's that's actually now that's kind of in vogue, isn't it? That's yeah. kind of okay. All right. I like it. Yeah, so, so I dig it. I was I was a hip kid, uh, but but yeah, yeah. Um, he's trying to find what she is into, and she is no good at archery. She is dog awful. Um, <laughs> that daft bent cunt. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it cuts back to him still in gridlock traffic, and his wife calls him up. Well, at this point, I'm not really too sure. Current wife, ex-wife. I just don't know. Um, mm. Mm. Like it, they do sh- a great job of establishing it, but I yeah, it's, it, there's been something bad. They're not together anymore. Yeah, and he's he's um, he's asked to go pick up their son at the mall, and cut to the mall, and Mike, their son, is with a oh, this here we go. a fucking scene stealer of a friend because. Um, <sighs> 
he like him and his friend are at the mall and they bump into one of Mike's drug counsellors, a, um, a a gentleman who uh, straight away alarm bells are ringing because he's like definitely kind of, yeah yeah hands down like he's like hey man like. You want to buy that jumper? Yeah, yeah, give it to me. I'll, I'll buy it for you. I'll get a hefty discount in this store. Like, I got, I got, I got, I got a Debenhams card. Like, I got, I got, I got 40% off. Like, I can, I can get you what you want. I'll hook you up, brother. And like, it's, it's a ve- I'm not into this. Actually, actually, at that point, that was when I realised that, uh, you know, there, there is such a thing as they say, you know, too many, too many sort of cooks spoil the broth or whatever. I think that sometimes you get a film where like eight writers write a film, and I think that is what happened here, because that that plotline specifically doesn't make sense in regards to what what happens throughout the whole film. There's in fact there's only one scene later which we'll get to later, which seems to redeem why this whole plotline even exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it just seems to bring you down and makes you feel real weird throughout this kind of seemingly melancholy family film. Well, it seems that like. I'm not sure if they're trying to establish that, like, Dave has, like, some type of neglect for his family, but, like... He certainly fucking doesn't. He's really at it. He's really trying to, sort of, do his best, so I I really don't think that's it. Yeah, and, like, because, obviously, like, they go in, like, I think, like, the fact that he's got a problem with drugs would have, like, to show that he's troubled would have been enough. Yeah, Without this kind of, like... Does he have a problem with drugs? Yeah, because he's uh, drug counselling. That's where he's met. Oh his, right, so, so this his... is all. This is all art. This is this is pre-shadowing. This is what happened before that we don't see. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right, that's, that's how he'd that's, met. That's, that's a fucking load of bullshit. That's right? how he'd met this because, because, Yeah, exactly. That stuff would have helped us way more than seeing this plotline. Yeah, yeah. If only it had just been him going through drugs at the time, we could have dealt with that. As, a, as viewers, as an audience. But instead, they fucking throw us right in the deep end of sexy terror. <laughs> um, and, but, like, that scene where the, like, guy is saying to Mike, like, just put it in my bag, out of focus, but, like, just enough in focus for me to see was his friend's reaction in the background, which is <laughs> fucking fantastic. <laughs> it. It's mouth aghast, kind of, like, Oh, is, is, is his face going like why is he doing it? why is he accepting it or is, it, or is his face going how fantastic he's buying him a jacket no it, it, it is the face of the audience it is very much a what the fuck is <laughs> going on <laughs> it is a face no, that's, of, that's kind of cool yeah it, it felt I wasn't sure if my own reflection had mirrored on the screen <laughs> it was exactly the like facial expression I had at that moment that's interesting that's interesting and um, then he drops him. He drops Mike off to the ex-wife, and they have an awkward exchange. And um, oh, Dave thinks, oh, is it awkward? He thinks it's a uh, a great idea to throw a snowball at his ex-wife. Oh, this is a different one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He thinks it's great to throw a snowball at her and clocks her straight <laughs> in the fucking face, <laughs> smashes her glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, she is not a happy, but like. Rightfully so. Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, but like, have you ever tried to cling on to like the the burning embers of a relationship? Like, I've been there. I've been yeah, there. you just look. He looks. He, I don't, he's like that man at like four o'clock in the morning. Clubs like. 
carting everyone out and he's just like, please love me. <laughs> like, it kind of has that <laughs> whiff of desperation about it. Um, yeah. And like, um, he then gets a frosty thrown at him, which is a kind of like big frozen... Dr- this is-, is, that, is that God's Revenge from throwing a snowball? He gets a frosty thrown at Possibly, possibly this is a subtext we have not, we have only, it's only dawned on us now. Um, and like, but like, it's really, it's really confusing because out of nowhere, like many times this film, his dad just appears from like, just happens to be there. And he's like, he's really confused about the whole thing. He's like, why are you, why are you wet? Why are you covered? Like, why are you covered in like a fucking milkshake with a Spoon on your lapel. Oh, well, I've got fucking two factoids just to reject with here. First of all, I need to tell you this. Every single time that Nicolas Cage in this film, it's many, many times, gets food or, or drink thrown at him, it's always thrown by director Gore Verbinski. So in the car, when you see guys chucking it, it's always Gore. Every time, pure Gore. Okay, so every time it hits him. But also, that spoon that's on his lapel, and I thought it would be in every scene for some reason, because I was reading about it earlier... But apparently that, that they couldn't get the spoon right. So what they did was they got a fucking silver spoon. Uh, no, they got a plastic... Uh, you, no, they got a plastic spoon and they painted it. No, ah, fuck. They fucked up three times. They got an actual spoon. A real life, 100,000% material silver spoon. And they've painted it to look plastic and then covered it in milkshake. And that's the spoon you see on his jacket. Because they couldn't get the fucking spoon right. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Those are my factors, sorry. Continue. That seems like a lot of, like, I don't know, a lot of people having way too much time on their hands. Like, there's some poor intern. Just, I could have an image of this poor guy trying out spoons, trying to stick them to a lapel with a, like, milkshake. He is proper stuck to his chest yeah, as well. It looks like a batch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like vote spoon. Do you know what I mean? Like, 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 like a, yeah, like a campaign pin. Um... Yeah, and the dad, like, just drops a fucking, like, a bomb on him, like, covered in milkshake. He's like, I've got lymphoma. Um, oh. Which, like... Another drag on the film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, thanks for that, Michael. It's like we started out <laughs> of the gate, like, kind of like a very, like, wisp, uh, uh speed, and we've just got slower. Uh. It's like, oh. Oh, it's like playing a 45 <laughs> at the wrong... Uh, 30, I mean, <laughs> uh, fucking 30, 43 and a half, third. Fuck me. Um, and, um, yeah, and I, my, my question was, like, had they arranged to meet there? Had they arranged... No, no. I think, I think every, basically every time that Michael Caine arrives in this film, he's essentially arrived unannounced. Yeah. And spontaneously, <laughs> much like an apparition would in a horror film. Maybe, like, <laughs> maybe, like, maybe, like he... And he's always like, he's like, hello, what have you done today? Are you I... a weatherman? <laughs> he's always like being a real dick every time he shows up. I'm starting to think, like, I'm just, this coming here now, was he dead the whole time? <laughs> like, it was I actually one toward the end where he got to the car and I thought I was going to turn around to you and be like, he's already dead. Because he keeps giving him worse and worse news. So yeah, just, yeah, it's yeah. fucking crazy. Not, um, <laughs> and then he, like, lists, like, things that have been thrown at him and kind of, like, explains why 
he changed his name from Spritzel to Spritz that like the TV companies thought it would be a much better idea and then we kind of get this kind of cutaway to such a garbage thing people on the sofa kind of talking about <gasps> why oh, they yeah. dislike him yeah 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 I wrote, I wrote this down they go I don't like his face his asshole face <laughs> <laughs> Which seems to say something about Nicolas Cage, but I don't know. I know. I mean, it could have been about anyone, but there's something about it. But I don't, but that's so weird because there's no shot like it in the whole film. It just suddenly cuts to this. this it's a bit like um, what we have in the UK that we. Uh, it's a it's a TV goggle box. goggle box. Yeah. yeah. So so the, so the the the, the people are, are view are viewing. You're seeing the people on the couch. Yeah. Viewing you almost as you're watching it, going. Don't like his face. His asshole face. It's really, it's really weird. If, if that happened throughout the film, I could almost understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's out of fucking nowhere, and that is the first. And this is a good point. This is the, that. This is the first of their experimental moments, which continue throughout this fucking weird. Binge. Oh yeah, definitely. That's why I think like this is maybe like a passion project for Gore Verbinski. Yeah, like, I know what you're saying his low budget passion budget project. Well, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I recently watched uh, Nicolas Cage's directorial debut, and may I add, his only film. What? That he directed. It's called Amazing. Sunny. Sunny. Um, and that film, like this, kind of seems to have just like. It's funny that this film has a lot of like throwing shit at someone because, like Sunny, this film just seems to throw a lot of shit <laughs> at the wall and like, ex- you know I mean, experimental, like kind of arty moments that kind of like just to most see often, what sticks. And most often they don't. They, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. They are, yeah, yeah. It's, if anything, they they seem to insult the sort of the dignity and atmosphere of the picture. It's uncooked spaghetti sliding <laughs> down that wall. Yeah. You know what I mean? it's, a, it's not. It's a bit, a bit too al dente. Um, and then, like, he talks about how like easy the work is as a weatherman. He's like, I'm in there for two hours, and he's like, I get X amount of money, and then I make a bit, bit on top for appearances. And we get, we get like a kind of. A flashback to him doing a uh, appearance as Abe Lincoln at some type oh. of like German German who like umpar fair. That is madly brief as well, and yes. then suddenly it cuts to him having sex with the woman that he t- looks. He has his yeah, yeah, eyes yeah. on, who's like dressed in a sort of a fucking Hilda kind. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a proper, a proper German Fraulein. And like, she has uh, only one tit exposed, <laughs> and the one tit sort of jiggles as she has sex slightly, while Nicolas Cage looks kind of unhappy. Yeah, yeah, kind of confused. A little, a lot like fucking leaving Las Vegas kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like dead, dead in the eyes, like fucking. And that comes out of fucking nowhere because that's the <laughs> one and only sex scene in this entire film, despite the bizarre sexual subtext which seems to underlie everything. <laughs> and um, then we get a scene um, that ugh, the less said about the better of the son on a like weird date with his counsellor in his apartment, kind of eating eating food. Oh. And the counsellor suggests that, like, he's like, do you work out, like, maybe, like, we take some before and after photos and pulls out, like, a Nikon camera. Like, he's very, very thing about This clearly wasn't a film that Gore thought people would watch multiple times, is it? No. No. Oh, let's watch that, that great film where that guy takes pictures of that guy again. Like, he wasn't thinking about it, even though it feels like a weirdly family-friendly film for the most part. Yeah, it's, and it's kind of like, it's kind of got elements of, like, being almost being a dark comedy, like, um, and 
Do you remember, do you remember the bit? There's a bit. I, I, don't, I don't. I think it, it maybe happens somewhat afterwards. But there's a bit where he goes. I like to park and watch the house sometimes. Yes. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll, we'll get. We're going to get to that. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. That. Um, but we may add at this point that the son is played by Nicholas Holt, who uh, a lot of like uh, British, British listeners may remember from. Uh, he like rose to fame in about a boy or like uh, the TV show Skins as well, and like has seen recent success in. Um, I think uh, Kill Your Friends was the film he's in, but like probably oh, yeah. bigger Kill than Kill Your Darlings. No, 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 that's the... That's oh, that's the, the fucking yeah, Harry Potter yeah, yeah. one. Um, What's Kill Your Friend? Oh, about, like, oh the no, I didn't see it on the music one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't see it. I and uh, the X, like, the, the new, like, X-Men franchise, he he plays Beast. Oh, shit, of course, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, he's good in this film. I think he's good. Yeah, he's, he's great. He, he, he doesn't fuck up. He, he he pulls off the American accent. Yeah. I wasn't at one way point. more than Michael Caine. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he's putting him to shame. Do you know what I mean? He's got way less years' experience than Michael Caine. Yeah. And Michael Caine's like going, we're talking about someone else. Cheeseburgers. And then we cut to the daughter in the park, and that's where we get the fateful line of Trisha is a cunt. And I just, again, I wish I'd just seen Trisha to make my own mind up. I'm just going to take the word of two Yeah, They could have at least had a scenario where we could have seen if Trisha was a cunt. Instead, we just see. We just see it from their perspective, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're the meanies. Why are they watching a dog while they do it? I thought the dog was Trisha. I was convinced. Anyway, go on. <laughs> that would have, uh, yeah, that <laughs> would have been crazy. So like, Trisha's a real bitch, and I was like, of course she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's eating piss snow. <laughs> uh, um, and then Dave takes his daughter to a works do, which is some kind of like, like Skate. they seem to have like Skate World. Skate World, yeah, but they seem to have no health and safety because <laughs> one of the things on the uh on the routine here is that they are doing a sack race on ice skates, which like just think is of it, the, is it just for the is it just for the weathermen or something? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's like the whole new station. As he he arrives, the guy's like, hey, why are you here? He's like, come here every year. And then that's it. I don't understand. I don't know. It must must be for the channel. Yeah, the channel. Yeah, yeah. Channel three or two or whatever they are. Um, And him and his daughter, halfway through the sack race, manage to tumble on the ice. But he persists to like get her to finish the race. Even though she's hurting. Yeah, she's hurting bad. Another thing to say, he's a bad dad. Yeah, but like, you can almost see, like, I sympathise with him because he's trying to... He's like, come on, honey. He's trying to teach her a lesson and he's being nice about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It seems like his kids are reeling from, obviously, the messy breakup that him and his wife had. And the fact that both him and his wife are dysfunctional characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're They're not like... Yeah, stable individuals, yeah. He then takes her back and she has a torn ACL and MSL or something like that in her leg and she's on crutches, which this seems to be the only scene in the film that she is on crutches. I do not know the timeline of this film, but it does not seem like a lot of time passes yet. She seems to be on crutches. Yeah, maybe there's, there, is, there is supposed to be a leap. I don't know, but it just doesn't, doesn't feel like that. But time's, time is supposed to have passed because she's not on those crutches anymore, I believe. But that's another one. That's a, good, a shitty editing job. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just poor storytelling, uh, basically. When do we get to the fat ass dildo then? 
That is right now. Oh, yeah, fantastic. yeah. He has a conversation <laughs> with his ex-wife Noreen, and then her new fella Russ interjects, and Dave is not a happy bunny and just kind of tries desperately to insult him and comes out with such profanity. He tells as... him to get. He tells him to basically Cage doesn't go too far, but he gets a little bit close to his ex-wife, and then he goes get away from her, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Get away from her," and then he goes. Fuck you, fat ass dildo, pork, fuck porker. <laughs> Which, to be honest, I mean, I'm going to use that later. That is a fucking brilliant insult. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and it, it does sort of work. Does it work? Does he get? Does he get him away from? No. No. His dad again. Oh, he's trying to shout no Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even this is a moment where, like, no other point in this movie does anyone like acknowledge the fact that it's very strange for for oh. Michael Caine to just appear. Like, like Nicholas Cage is like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" Like, like, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, I'm here, I'm, here, I'm here to talk to Noreen because um, about the way her daughter dresses." Oh, because. Um, as if, as if the the paedophile counsellor wasn't a, a weird enough yeah, subplot. Yeah, yeah. He's over there, even though he is already like, you must you must imagine days like maybe the day before had seen Dave when they were at the doctors. He had come over specifically to talk to Noreen about children at the school bullying <sighs> Shelley because she has camel toe. Oh, it really pains me, man. It pains me even to think about this stuff. And then he explains what it is. And just so the audience, like, just in case you don't know what it is, like, Gore Verbinski has decided to edit in, like, a real quick, like, bang, 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 snapshot of camel toes. Like, and I'm not talking actual camel toes. I'm Although talking, they do actually arrive eventually. Yeah, I'm talking... Like, Literally, someone's actual camel toe. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking fabric inside places where it shouldn't be. Yeah, 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 yeah. But later on, he does actually show you a fucking camel, an actual <laughs> camel toe. I can't believe it. It's so bad taste, man. It's off the fucking charts. If we were actually talking, if this was a film where all the characters were grown ups, I would still think it was kind of grotesque. But the fact that we're talking about a family man, it's kind of a family film, it's super. Super bad taste. And we're talking about a twelve-year-old girl. Yeah, I know. And, and I, I mean, who knows how old the actress is? I, mean, I assume she's probably about twelve or something. But like, she, they would have had to told her about that in the film. That's what I, was, I, don't know, I didn't want to go too far into this, but it is fucking bad taste. I don't know why they thought this was cool, and they don't stop going at it. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. They just keep at it. They're like, okay, we're done with this. They, they bring it up again. You're like, okay, great, we're done with it. They bring it up again. It's like, fuck, end this. Anyway, continue. What are we doing? Um. He calls Noreen and uh, um, he suggests that they go to counselling, um, which I don't really get because they're not married. They're not married at all, no. But they kind of go to this like, I don't know, like it's kind of like a progressive counselling session where it's like all done on trust exercises. So it's like the classic like fall into my arms. Um, and for a while do. it seems okay, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She and does then, fall into his arms. And then they do a like, test of trust which is like you write down a secret on a piece of paper and like well as the one is explaining it before that before that they just ask they just ask just flat out does anyone have a secret that they would they want to they want to say and Nicolas Cage says I had this thing with porno yeah yeah, yeah. and and then she goes no no you'll write it down yeah don't write it down 
Well, you know what? That's fucking totally needless because all that's doing is that's making us like basically he's already a humiliated man. This man has been humiliated to the point of nothing at this point in the film. We just think he's just a nobody, and he just wants to really like, bang at home. That he's a fucking dickhead. He's yeah. going, oh yeah, I looked at the, I had this porno thing. Why would he tell everyone in this group that? Because he's a fucking dick, right? Yeah, he's just trying to somehow impress Noreen and like get in her good books by like, look, look, I'm going along with this thing, I'm getting into it. But he eventually writes down what like what his secret is. She passes him a secret, and like moments later, like doesn't even wait until he gets out of the place. He is trying to read it and like nothing like. In the doorway of the toilet, and people are opening in, and he's like, they're looking real shifty, like, and they're like, like, come on, man, like, if you want to fucking do something like that, like, a cubicle, like, just get in there, like, he's going to get over the sink. Yeah, 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 yeah. there's not going to be other, like, guys in there judging you, like, have some self respect, man. (laughs) And the, the, like, um, the secret that Noreen had about him was that. The book he wrote called like, Big Mistake was a big mistake. Was it called Big Mistake? Big Mistake, yeah. What the fuck? Um, and she said, like, it was four years wasted. What an embarrassing... A sci-fi novel, she yeah. called it. She called it. And, like, moments later, they are, like, having a coffee in a diner, and he just can't help himself, and he's like... So did you even read it? Yeah, it wasn't sci-fi. It had one character in it who was a scientist. How is that sci-fi? And the fucking trust is broken. She fucking loses her shit. And then, like, on, like, returning home, he says to her, like, as if, like, this hasn't gone, like, bad enough. He's like, I just, I want to try to make this marriage work. And it's like, <laughs> how fucking deluded can you be? Like, yeah. she's like, you can't, I can't even trust you. And then he, she, he... Ugh, she opens his secret, which is her BJ's <gasps> lacked enthusiasm. And oh. <coughs> I half expected like a kind of witty comeback to this, but it kind of just got re- like it got even more bleak. Like I thought this was like going to be a moment of light relief because she's like, "I hated your face." I hated when you kissed me. I hated your arms. Yeah, I hated She's like, she really fucking character assassinates his own body. Just everything. For, for a second, when she said uh, that the Bee Gees lacked enthusiasm, I just thought she meant the fucking bot band. <laughs> I had a fan of those kid brothers. <laughs> I've got no time for Saturday Night Fever. But, she's, but then she literally, while the child is in the front, in the front sort of the screen of the door, so she can hear everything. She's like, she's like, yeah, that's why when you had my cock, my cock, you had your cock in my mouth. That's why I didn't like it. And it's like, oh, <laughs> it's like we've already gone too far with all these weird, sexy plot lines, and now you've made it really shit. But the thing is, it's like that. Like, if she had just gone with like. I don't know, if she had just said, like, you were an arsehole, or, like, I don't know, so a bit more snappier without, like, making it feel, like, really fucking depressing, <laughs> it kind of would have been a bit of, like, a, a, a light relief, <laughs> funny yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah, It's just not funny, it's just no, so No, sad. no, no, it's, it's, like, you could see this scene. She's like, I hate your hair, which also specifically seems to talk about <laughs> fucking Cage's 
wigs as yeah, well. Yeah, it's so bad. The thing is, this in the hands of another director could have been like, you could definitely see this exact same scene yeah. in like a kind of um, Judd Apatow like like comedy yeah, or like yeah, a Farley yeah. Brothers comedy like and it would be it would be hilarious but in this it is it's just strangely a, existentially sort of savage rips movie, at your yeah. heart yeah, and yeah. It's, oh, I just feel sorry for everyone involved the atmosphere is so sad just throughout it's just such a sad introspective film that the, 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 any humour that's in it seems to never punctuate the icy surface of its fucking weirdness yeah and then we are back to the doctors with the dad. Ah, great. And the dad, like, um, he asked him, did you read my book, dad? Like, oh, you're, you're a bit of a big, big shot in the, like, book world. Have you read it? And he's like, no, I haven't read it. And he's like, what's the news? And he's like, it's, it's bad. I've been referred to a doctor in New York to, like, have further tests to see what is going on, like, how long I have left. And um, he talks to his dad about the fact that he might have a new start in New York because he's got an opportunity for Hello America. He just keeps mentioning this to everyone. A national job, like, doing national weather, which I imagine, like, in the in the weatherman profession, is a step that. up. You're, you're no longer a local boy, you're a national face. You're going from um, Joe Bloggs, <laughs> don't know who the fuck he is, <laughs> to Michael Fish. <laughs> <laughs> is there such a thing, though, as having your main character from the beginning of a film constantly mention something just so you can have an ending? Because I think in this, in the case of this film, there is an element of that. There seems to be a feeling of, like, he has to keep telling everyone, I'm going to have this Good Morning America job so that there is a, any kind of conclusion at the end. Because otherwise, yeah. it would just be people getting real sad. Yeah, because even... You at, have to have that. Even at the first scene of him getting ready in his apartment, you can see that there's, like, Hello America on the TV. Yeah, and, and it's just, it's it. just, it's just every moment, it's just like... Imagine removing that, and then just having all this weird, sad shit about death, sex, and camel toes, and what the fuck is going on. Just having that without any conclusion. Any conclu- so the conclusion needs to hint at itself earlier on. I think that's what's going on. But the thing that's why he has to... Because it would seem deeply insensitive that you keep mentioning that to everyone at every fucking conclusion. And the, ca- the character arc of this isn't like... He doesn't even seem like... We'll get into it a bit more maybe like after after we've talked about the whole plot, but... Yeah, yeah. He's not really like... It's not like any lessons were learned or like... Nah. Any redemption he's happens. He's like, I'm the worst of Anyway, let's get let's yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's um, and he just he just craves his dad's acceptance, and then um, he goes to archery lessons himself. And we kind of get this like because his daughter won't take him. Yeah. yeah, this Rocky esque montage of him like doing, He's like, like that. Yeah. doing these like kind of like exercises, getting ready for it, like going through all the t- all blowing the t- on feathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not getting it the first time, but like a couple of times later, he's nailing it, and then like he's chasing a chicken, uh, and then Mike is at the counselor's house again, I believe. Um, oh, for fuck's sake! Has it happened again? Christ! I think we might have missed a bit. Actually, we might have missed a little, a good bit here. There's a bit where he goes back to the weather station. And he's talking to the guy. 
that happened yet? No, 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 yeah, 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 you fill that in. Yeah, 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 so basically, he goes back to the weather station, he's like, he's seeming a bit like, like, fucked over after like, not going well with his wife after the whole BJ's lacking enthusiasm gig. And so he comes, so he comes to the weather station, and he's got to get the weather for the next day. And he goes over to this guy, and he's like, uh, "So what's the wind going to be like?" And da, 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 da. and the guy's like, "Yeah, it's just it's wind, man. I don't know. I, it's wind. I just don't know." And then he's like slurping his drink, and then and then Nicholas Cage's like, "Yeah, yeah," because he's not a meteorologist. He doesn't know either. I just thought that is fucking absurd. That is completely absurd. First of all, in a fucking meteorology thing, somebody there is going to know a lot more than yeah. it's wind, man. And secondly, even a guy who didn't have a degree in meteorology, who was a fucking weatherman, they would know a little bit more than that. Yeah, definitely. You, you would... It's almost mocking the whole thing about weather <laughs> forecasting. It's like, yeah, fuck you, weather forecasting. It's like, why are we, why are we doing that? They're doing a perfectly good job. Why learn? Yeah, why learn anything when you can just fucking like fly by the skin of your teeth? Um, I actually got this wrong because earlier I said that um, was the scene with him with like the shirt off getting the photos taken by Is that the, later? It's now. The the bit <laughs> earlier I'd mentioned was um they'd gone to the cinema together. So like kind oh. of kind of showing that like things weren't I don't even remember that. Yeah, the weren't 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 they were a little untoward. But yeah, that's when this fucking appalling shit happens and um it is gratuitous. They just keep going with the shirt shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it makes it, we make it sound like it's just like him taking a couple of pictures of it, but then he sits down and he takes more pictures. And then he agrees to sort of loan him his camera. He goes, oh yeah, maybe if you if you want to loan this shit. I know. And his says, dad says he's going to buy it. Yeah, yeah. He says I'm going to yeah, buy. Said, I'm going to buy. Yeah, his dad says once you complete your program, I'll buy your camera. And he's like, well, I can loan you the money right now. Oh, and it's shit. like it's, it, it. It seems very like I don't know shoehorn and just very like savage I felt like it could have been handled a bit more delicately it's very heavy footed and like oh, I, man, it like, just makes you feel awful I just felt terrible when I was watching yeah. it it's like watching like three or four films mashed together that don't actually connect but go on then we're back to Dave taking Shelley out like shooting again like bow and arrows and she is shit She's still shit. Like, um, he seems to, though, after one fucking lesson, know everything. Like, every terminology. It's like, oh, that's called a, that's called a wing hum him And uh, uh, the thing is, last time you were using um, string hole bowls, and uh, this time you're using a fling hold bowl. So, uh, yeah, they didn't know what they were talking about. Those arrows last time were... Hamburgers, and this time they're shabugas. So uh, you're going to be a lot better this time. No, she's still fucking shit. And um, she said, like, he asked her about, like, what was it that initially interested you in, like, like, yeah, archery? And she said, like, oh, I want to hunt animals or like kill animals. And mm, like, that's interesting. Well, it just reminded me of like, I like. I've got into a real deep rabbit hole of watching Criminal Minds, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the TV show, and like they always talk about like serial killers and stuff like that. The and beginning of the beginning, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the Batman Begins of a serial killer. That's the classic trait: is just wanting to inflict harm on animals. So I was just like, 
She's a fucking serial is this killer. Is the prequel to Silence of the Lambs? I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> I have no idea what they were. Is she? Is she Eileen Warnock or something? Like, I have no idea what is going. It's like. I think I, I honestly I, I tell you this right now. Nine cooks in the fucking broth, man. Nine different writers that were. Some of them were fired. Some of them. Some of them kept on. And in the end, you've got a draft that just. It's a fucking. It's an absolute lasagna. Of is, is that why this film is uh, credited to Alan Smitty, the classic, uh, <laughs> the classic uh, dual name for people? Who Alan, just did... Alan lasagna. Yeah, yeah. Smitty. Yeah, yeah. Just exactly. didn't want their name. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's just bleak as well. Like I, 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 I kind of, I kind of feel like they knew what they were doing by by putting that in there. By by, like kind of like they must know that audiences are savvy enough to like have seen enough fucking shit to know that like that is a classic trait of an early early serial killer to be yeah, like. If anything, the only reason that it seems to be in there, if it isn't for what I just said, the fucking several writers thing is I think that um, it's supposed to make Cage look a good guy because he says well I wouldn't kill an animal which is the, the thing you go oh but he is a good guy after all which is weird because we know he's a dickhead I never thought he'd kill anyone or any animals so you didn't have to make it alarmingly obvious to me. yeah yeah um, and then he drops her home and Mike just appears out of the darkness <laughs> And taps on his window, and they kind of have like an awkward exchange. Like he's like, "What the fuck do you do? Oh, what the fuck are you doing here?" He says, "I like." He he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" He says, "Nicholas Cage says I like to park and watch the house sometimes." Yeah, I've, I've seen you playing guitar, and, and you and you're like, "This is." But th- th- actually, for a moment there, there's, there's I don't know, I don't even know if there's any music, but there's something about him and Mike there, and he's just telling him how it is, and he goes, "You know, pops got, got sick and stuff," and. And there's a, actually a genuine moment where I thought, fuck, I'm actually a little bit connected to this. I was like, I, I really feel like quite, uh, this seems kind of realistic and I see why he would like park outside of the house, like, you know, whatever. And then, and then Mike leaves and suddenly it cuts to another monologue while he's still watching the house. And it goes, if I die, will he be thinking I'm a jerk off? This is Nicholas Cage. And then he goes, a jerk fuck? And I just thought, what the fuck is going on with these writers? Well, if I die, will he be thinking I'm a jerk off? If I die, will he be thinking I'm a jerk fuck? And then it like that pushes him into a flashback of like, would he have like split up with his wife if he had bought tartar sauce? <laughs> which, which brings me to possibly like, <laughs> I can't believe it. Man. If it was, if it was like this the whole way, if it was this character. <laughs> If it had this level of voiceover that it's just like... Again, oh, I man. think this is another moment oh, that you were saying earlier with that kind of cutaway scene. This is another moment of them just like going, let's try this. <laughs> let's try this. Let's try this frantic like kind of um, narration-like tactic. And it is him, his wife says to him, you need to go out, you need to get, collect the takeaway... Make sure you remember the tartar sauce. So it's him walking down the street. He's like, remember the tartar sauce, remember the tartar sauce. And then he sees a um, a young lady in a pair of white jeans. Nice like, ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, tartar sauce, tartar sauce. I'd like to bury my face in that. I like to eat pussy. Yeah. And he's like, a lot of people a lot of people don't like to eat pussy. Or is that just black men? What? Is, like, 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 like oh, those man. are not my words. 
Those are the words of whoever the like. This fucking them. writer blows my fucking mind, man. I want to fucking. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And then he goes from that to somehow talking about Neil Young, and he's like, "Why the fuck am I thinking about Neil Young? Neil Diamond." Nobody, not many guys named Neil. Yeah, not many famous guys named Neil. <laughs> but oh, the thing is... It's like, like written like a kind of cut-up poem, isn't it? Like, it's fucking... <laughs> the thing is, though, that kind of does, like, ring true to, like, just how, like, your mind sometimes works when you're just thinking sure. about... Sure, yeah, yeah. Not in, not in the things that it says, but in the way that it moves. Oh man, yeah, no, I do know what you mean. That there are a few scenes in films that sort of adequately show how frantic and weird the mind is, but the way that they play out there is fucking absurd. <laughs> <laughs> it really is absurd. And yeah. through all this thinking of like licking out and famous meals, he manages to forget the tartar sauce, <laughs> which. <laughs> erupts into a massive argument because he lies and says they just ran out of it and she's like she oh, call call, yeah, I'm calling you out call. <laughs> I'm calling you out on your shit you <laughs> fucking and he's like no 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 yeah. <laughs> oh man and then um, it's him in New York he is ready which happens to be his interview falls around the exact same time that his dad has got his doctor's appointment and um, he takes Shelley out shopping, and uh, she's trying on something that is a bit too like, oh, a bit yeah. too clingy to her body, and possibly one of the most distressing moments of the film, when he looks at his daughter, and we get a flash of a actual camel's toe on screen, oh, like fucking with a weird bit of music as well, like just a. It's like, <laughs> yeah, fucking hell! It really is nuts. And like, this prompts him. I don't to... even know what they're trying to say. No, this I'm, I, I don't want to go into a lot. I've, I've seen this in films before where they, they do weird little. It's almost like they're not trying to say something, but by by just by the nature of the edit, by their cut, they have to mean something. And this seems to mean something. If the father, in his mind, is suddenly cutting to the image of a fucking camel's toe with this fucking symphony going on in his mind, you're saying something about that character. You can't get away with that. Yeah. It's not just us as an audience seeing it. You're suggesting the, 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 the guy is seeing that as well, the, our main character. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it's, uh, it's, very, it's very peculiar. And this prompts him to take her like to Central Park. I don't know if he's going like, to let her free because he believes she is a camel. Um, <laughs> and then questions her about like the type of thing she gets called at school. He's like, do some people like? He's like, if you're being dumb, do they call? If you like miss a question, they call you a dummy, or do they call you camel toe? Like <laughs> yeah. real, real, like not subtle. And like, she's like, what did you say? She's like, no, they call me a camel because what was it? They call me a camel toe because camel's toes are strong and like I tough. Yeah, tough. And like my heart kind of melted at this kind of like childlike innocence that like That's what they try to do, man. They try to fuck you like that. They go, Oh yeah, you thought it was so gross, didn't you? And now we fuck you by telling you that it's genuine and it's like, no man, you, you came up with this shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
You wrote this. Because I just felt sorry for her. Yeah, I'm not I'm not the bad guy for thinking you were talking about what you already insinuated. I mean, is it not... In, I mean, it literally shows you pictures of women with... Camel toes, yeah, yeah, yeah. On. So, like, why are you making me feel bad for this? Like, I don't understand. It's very peculiar. Yeah, yeah. I, f- I hope that that is what they told the actress. Yeah, they're like, it's like strong camels, yeah. <sighs> yeah, and me like... Me too, me too, man. Because it'd be fucked up if she knew that actually what it was really about, which is far more ambiguous and fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, like, he kind of takes some, like, I don't know, he takes some refuge in this, that that is, like, a good thing, that she's kind of ignorant to it and not kind of, like... He doesn't even address the thing that, like, she's being bullied for something. He just kind of, like, brushes it under the carpet and decides to take her back into Macy's or whatever the fuck they were buying clothes. It looks like a scene out of a fucking 1980s, like... <laughs> to be like, fair, to be fair, it's probably probably the best montage. And I mean, I mean, it is probably one of the best scenes in the whole thing. Yeah. She, it's it, kind of just joyful, isn't it? Yeah. And he is dressing her up, though, in like... <laughs> She looks like she's in swinging sixties <laughs> London, but he's also dressed up as well. He's doing like crazy dances. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He's yeah. loving it. Like it looks like this is the most joyous like thirty seconds of the film, just before we plunge back into the cold, cold waters of this. Fucking... Quite literally, because we're about to hear some shit about Mike. Yeah, Mike is back at the doctor's. He's now going to see a specialist, and um, I know. Mike. Mike has been arrested. Sorry, um, the grandfather is at the hospital. Um, Fantastic. Another fucking illness for the dad. Yeah, and Fuck. Mike has been arrested because the counsellor has tried to um, like make moves on him. I mean, it literally says, this is Michael Caine's words, he was he was trying to suck him off. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, fuck, yeah. he fucked up his car because he was trying to suck him off. And then... Um, <laughs> And then, and then he tried to it's like the counselor saying that he tried to jack his wallet. But like Michael Caine <laughs> just gets caught up in like the semantics of it all, yeah. like the wording of yeah. it all. Like just like, what's all this jacking, fucking, fucking dildo, fuck? <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, the jacking. <laughs> the bit where like Nicholas Cage is trying to make a call to his wife to explain the situation, and then like Michael Caine comes over and he's like. More dildo, more fucking. <laughs> <laughs> and like, he fucking loses his shit on the phone to his ex-wife as well. Where he just like, even him, he's like, I'm fucking stuck out here in New York with camel toe. He's even berating his own daughter. Yeah, that is weird. It's fucking... That doesn't make sense. No, he's like... Yeah, that's too much, I think. He's like... He's not that kind. Like yeah, they why haven't built like his own daughter as Camelto. That doesn't kind make, of he's stuck out here with Camelto. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't make sense. I'm not with that. I don't get that. Um, yeah, um, time for SpongeBob, eh? Almost. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he then tries to buy his dad another coffee, and again, no money. It just this kind of seems seems to symbolise like the constant disappointment that mm. he. Poses to his father that, like, no matter what he does, it's just not good enough. No, he's um, always a, and always a seems, beta. always yeah. seems to like it. Almost like feels like they're trying to make you feel sorry for him because his daughter had bought him a like a drink. Like last time, he had the coffee. The father didn't have the paper, and this time he has a can of pop 
whereas the grandfather doesn't have his coffee, so it just paints him out to be a selfish fucking shit. Um, And we find out that Michael Caine is terminal, and he's got months to live. Fantastic. It's as if this film could get any more fucking fun, right? Yeah. Just plunge <laughs> deep, deep, deep. Like, I feel like Harry Houdini. <laughs> I'm against the clock in that ice-cold water, and I don't know how to get out of a straitjacket right now. Um, and the next day is the Hello America audition, and he seems like really cocksure about it, just kind of really nonchalant with all their questions. Just like, yeah, great, yeah, fine. He has like a camera test, and he seems to meet the guy. Have we, have we missed this one? No, we haven't missed this <laughs> one. Um, yeah, he he like he seems nonchalant. He meets like the guy who's like the the big wig of it, who asks him if he's nervous. He's like, no, I'm not nervous. I'm good. And then talks about how like he's like he nails like the the green screen element of it, but. He is not all there because that night he is just staring out the window drinking a miniature from the mini bar <laughs> and has like a vision a fucking intense vision of like what I don't know if they literally just drifted the, bil- the, the, the balloon in front of the building I fucking hope they did but it is Spongebob fucking square pants goes past Nicolas Cage as he drinks outside the window it looks fucking brilliant and he has this like kind of like almost a vision <laughs> dream of what it would be like to be on like the kind of Thanksgiving Day parade or something like that. Oh yeah. On the float with his family and like the 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 newscasters are talking about it going, Oh, I thought that guy was a, <laughs> a fuck up and his wife left him. It's like, no, he's he's happily married, he's got that job at Hello America, he's he's doing well for himself. Um and then like the next day, he's, uh, yeah, it seems like the, the interview had gone well, and um, he's talking to one of the guys about, like, what is, what, like, what, what the job will entail, and one of the things is that he will get an endorsement by Purina, the dog food company, yeah, I don't know, animal food company. Yeah, dog food. And it's just another moment for Michael Caine to just fucking shut it. Like again, it's like this film is just full of blows to the stomach of disappointment. Like because he's like, Gorbachevsky is like, I made a film about disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you wish Gorbachevsky had like a, a a suave French accent. He probably sounds more like. Hey man, I got this idea for a movie that's a bit like well, we're just gonna be a bit dark and a bit broody. And like, you know, it's about a weatherman, man. You know, camel toe. You know that kind of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, he just draws it home because he's like, "You don't have a pet. Your wife and your children have a pet who you don't live with." And I just felt for the guy who worked at Hello America because he's just like, like <laughs> proper like. I didn't have to be here for this fucking conversation. You guys sort this shit out between yourselves. Um, And then they go back to Noreen's house back in Chicago. And um, Nicolas Cage's character, Dave, has like just... he's, He's just slowly like... I possibly feel like this film 
is like a representation of what I wanted to kind of achieve with this podcast because <laughs> it seems like it is the the workings of a man's sanity slowly but surely <laughs> unraveling and like he has these outbursts of things that are just like whoa whoa that's fucking crazy <laughs> and this is one of them because he um he just decides to out of nowhere slap his ex-wife's new boyfriend in the face with a leather glove. Like he's some kind of... <laughs> I don't know. Did you, do you, do you refer to himself as a sort of 16th century? Yeah, like he kind of, yeah, he kind of says, like, my dad was disappointed with me. Like maybe he would have been, like, more appreciative of it <laughs> if I were some kind of 16th... Like, sir. Like, <laughs> riding up on a stallion. Um, and then he gets, like... He, like just to show that he is like a fuck up and like I felt like this is the moment like this is something he deserves I like I'm not sure if you saw this but he gets in a lift and like two kids get in after him and they press every single button on the lift so he's gonna have to stop and I'm like good you fucking deserve it because you're a fucking shit Dave um and then he like he has a moment. I'm not sure what it's supposed to say, but he's like sat there at his desk and just deletes his book. Oh yeah, and actually that's kind of a neat. Actually, that's a sort of good example of their mad editing shit they were talking about. But but like basically earlier on, uh, you know, when they're doing this sort of crazy fucking camel toe flashing and stuff on the screen and stuff, it's uh, like what they do there is as he's as he's reading out, you hear the audio of his book being read out as he sort of hovers the mouse over the delete button. As soon as he hits delete, it immediately cuts out the audio. And I thought, ah, there's a good example of their fucking wacky fucking editing. That's how you do it right. Yeah, yeah. Their little wacky little techniques that haven't worked the whole fucking film, that's when it works. At this moment, he decides to go for a little bit of uh, archery in the snow, just kind of shooting. It's kind of like like a beautiful moment where I'm shooting like, archer like ice ice filled like targets and um i don't know it just look it looks really cool and like doesn't but then there's a voiceover talking about like the fact that his father is going to have a living funeral and that like it's kind of a way to celebrate someone's life with them still being there and then he goes like He's on the street and just fucking loses it at a guy who again like oh yeah asks him about like when's the cold day gonna be and he's like it's it's all it's it doesn't fucking matter like I don't know when it's gonna be it's it's February it's gonna be cold it's gonna be fucking cold and mid conversation gets a fucking apple pie a McDonald's apple pie straight to the fucking face and hits his lapel on his jacket and he chases the guy down the street like apple pie in hand and smushes it in his face <laughs> he he runs he runs after the he was it he's like <laughs> he runs after the car and he's like you want that pie shit on you? And then like, shoves it through the window. The guy's like, ah! Yeah, he's like, he's been fucking shot. Um, and like, is it that, like this exact moment that, um, Hello America call, like, 
conveniently when he's having his meltdown in the middle of... Or inconveniently, fucking... depending on how you see it. <laughs> I mean, like, conveniently for the film, like, <laughs> that it happens to happen, like, at this exact moment, like, when yeah. he's having a fucking meltdown, and he has got the job. And his first thing is, great, I'm going to go see Noreen, going to tell her about it, and that's it. We'll manage to get back together. She's like, you're deluded, mate. I'm marrying Russ. Oh. A real real kicker in the fucking teeth. Um, And this is whilst he's at the living funeral and decides to step outside, take his bow and arrow from the boot of his car, and just shoots it at a tree, and then he sees Russ smoking, and decides to point the fucking bow and arrow at him, which is pretty fucking dark. One could argue that's attempted murder. Yeah, definitely. I'd say that. that I mean, it's that savage. I was wondering. Nobody in that scene seems that perturbed by. It. Even Russ is a bit like, "Whoa!" And he sort of moves over very slowly, very gradually, very groovily toward toward his girlfriend. Going, "Hey, babe." Do you see Nick Cage over there? He's got the he's got the old bow and arrow going on. Well, it's just a cowardly move as well because he goes and stands next to like yeah, his like, ex-wife, his like dying father, and his mother. So it's yeah, like, he's like, "You won't kill me." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try some shit. How good's your fucking aim? Because uh, somebody is very like, good, I believe, though. Yeah, but <laughs> well, he says he says like I had to I had to I had to stop what doing what I was doing. We've got a speech to do. Yeah, and, like, and then... Yeah, what happens? He then goes in to do his speech, starts talking about Bob Seger, and the power, <laughs> bang, is out. And... In a kind of weird, another like, arty cut to suddenly, like... Yeah. Power out, uh, cutting out, yeah, yeah. And... Literally a power line burning. <laughs> I think I think it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In some kind of like Lynchian style, like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah, yeah. Like I tell you, we watch way too much Twin Peaks. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, David Lynch, like, you know, like electric filaments just moving about. I, I use some of that in there. It's artist, artist, avant garde. Um, and then forty minutes later, the lights are back on and everybody has moved on. They don't give a fucking shit about Cage's speech. Yeah. So all he has literally said is. My father reminds me of Like a Rock by Bob Seger. And that is like all he'll have to ever say about his father. Um, In his living wake. Yeah, which sat to me. Like, actually, they don't make a big enough deal about that. Really. Yeah, like it's not uh, a weird concept. Like, I don't like. And his dad seems like quite a stoic, like. I mean, he's, he's just stern he's gentleman. Just, he's a mysterious magician that just shows up whenever he pleases. But, but he seems like he's the type of guy who wouldn't like that type of thing. Like, yeah. he wouldn't want the fuss made about him. He would just kind of want to, like... I don't know, man. I Actually, I don't feel that the film gives you enough to go on to actually know what Michael Caine's character is. I think all you know is that he just shows up whenever he fucking pleases. Yeah, like, maybe, like... You know, and actually it turns out that even after this, he shows up again. Yeah, definitely. Um, even after his own fucking <laughs> funeral. Um, and then he's, you see Dave in his apartment just screening calls from Hello America for, like, no apparent reason, really. It doesn't, like, kind of... It doesn't go into why he just doesn't, like... He hasn't accepted the. Oh, we get it. Like he's got the living wake, and his his ex wife doesn't want to be back with him. But 
come on, mate. Like, <laughs> this is this is all you've been like. Even when people <laughs> are giving you fucking terrible news, you've still gone, but I got the Hello America job coming. Like, just fucking, just fucking, uh, even his son says, like, you should answer the call. Like, Yeah, yeah. To be honest, the only reason he needs to move there is to fix his family. That's it, right? And they do kind of knock about that. But he obviously knows that he can't. He can't move his family. Yeah, his family so, isn't his family anymore. So give it a chance to like find happiness on your own. Like, yeah. spread your wings. But he can't do that. He can't He then talks about like who gets hit by pie. Like he's like he's then he's like the voiceover is talking. He's walking down the street and he's like, who really? I he's like, does 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 Abraham Lincoln does. George Jefferson get hit by pie. Who the fuck gets hit by pie? Like what? What is this? And we get like realise he does realise that who is hit by pie? Clowns. Clowns are hit by pie. Yeah. (laughs) And through this, he then confronts his like son's molester, like yes, and beats the fucking shit out of him, and like. I think he doesn't go far enough, but he But the thing is, like, I felt like maybe... I thought this was leading up to this film kind of having a bleak ending in that, like, there would have been repercussions for that because, obviously, no matter how wrong that guy is, like, vigilante justice... Is not right. Is not right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, to be honest, that would have been kind of a a neat ending. Yeah, I thought it would have just scuppered his... The weatherman is the man who fucking... He fucking comes to fucking show you the weather, motherfucker. He brings the heat! (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) The weatherman's bringing the heat. It's going to rain, it's going to fucking rain paint on your face, motherfucker. It's going to... And we then get a brilliant montage, like, possibly my favourite of, like... Just because I think how great it would have been to film, of... Uh, Nick Cage getting hit by different types of food, oh. <laughs> like, and he t- he goes through his history of the things he was hit by, uh, which include like, um, I think it's a a uh, Kenny Rogers bit of chicken. Yeah, and it sort of hits off his shoulder actually quite nicely. Yeah, and he's like, oh, stood next to a bin, so I thought maybe that like. They were just aiming for the bin and hit me. Just to remind the audience that every bit of food thrown at Nicolas Cage in this film is thrown by the director, Gore Verbinski. Who, like, I think that's why he got Nicolas Cage on for this film. <laughs> he's like, he's I like, want to throw the food at him. <laughs> he's like, I've fucking, I, I've got some problems with face-off, mate. And like, I'm sure I'll throw some food at you. And like, one of them is brilliant because it's like a kind of half-eaten like packaging and all of yeah he gets a soft taco to the chin (laughs) and then gets a like like four of a like nine piece nuggets thrown at his head (laughs) which is just like that must have been a a hoot to film the revelation the revelation is that you know just like fast food i am like fast food yeah i'm i'm trash like i think that's unfair i think it's unfair to himself and i think that's unfair to what the fuck he says because he says it's disposable fast food, but actually, I eat every fucking bite of fast food that I buy. Yeah, but also, like, even if it, if it's, even if it is disposable, the weatherman isn't disposable. I don't know what he means. I think it's a really peculiar philosophical point. I think it's just his his perception of himself is that he is he is nothing. He has obviously hit rock bottom at this point. His family don't want him. His father is passing away. Like. We're not forgetting about the, the the him him and his son in the uh, in the little 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're like in a food court. But like, um, one thing I want to bring up at this point is he's so hung up on his father, yet his... I don't think... I think his mum gets maybe two lines in the whole film. Yeah. And it's like she's massively sidelined and it's like... Oh, she doesn't seem like a fucking bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's it. But that's all the film makes her out to be, right? Like she's just an unpleasant woman. What, his his mum? Not his mother. Oh, I see. You mean Michael Caine's wife? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's clearly dead. She's clearly not not on the scene because she's dead. Oh, who's that woman who's always with him? Oh, no, fuck. No, it does cut back to that woman. But nah. She's there, yeah, because she's there when he first goes round. She's holding a record. Oh, I thought fuck. that was the mum. Oh, I think you might be right. Because it cuts back to something about her at one point. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, she is hugely sidelined. Yeah, massively. <laughs> that is so two lines in the whole To the point film. where I, I didn't even know she was a fucking character. I thought she was a <laughs> mysterious old woman that appears. <laughs> yeah, like some kind of maid. Like and You would have thought he would have got someone in who was like, yeah, well, a bit really, younger. She wouldn't, wouldn't she even be there at the funeral? But I don't even remember her there. She was the there, yeah, because she was definitely there when 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 uh, he nearly fired her. I think rush. we we, we all like to believe there were some scenes cut from this film. Uh, definitely, yeah. But to, I don't, <laughs> but to be fair, like it needed more cuts, if anything. Oh, like so. So, what happened with the corn dog? Tell me. Um, I'm not really. The, the son is eating a corn dog, and there's just like a kind of. He's just a real. Yeah. He's a real awkward-looking dad. How does a corn dog look? What very, does it look like? Very phallic. Very phallic, and so he says. Don't put yourself in grown-up situations. And then he sees what his son has ordered. And his son puts a corn dog, a phallic object, in his mouth. And then Nicolas Cage grim- grimaces. If you say that, grimaces? Grimaces. Grimaces, yeah. Grimaces. And, you go, uh, and then you get, uh. <laughs> And then his son's like, what do you want to order? And you get, nothing, nothing. Yeah, and it all... Because be- I think what he's basically saying is, you brought on yourself by wanting dick-shaped stuff in your mouth. I'm pretty sure that's what that says. Oh, that's that's bleak. Yeah, <laughs> I think that. I mean, why would they not have? Why is that? Why does that scene exist? He literally he looks at me and he goes, "Oh, that is literally it." Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, you're that's definitely right. it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, why would they even have? That? He's not going. Oh, you like corn dogs? You 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 complete philistine of you know food. Yeah, we've got a whole food court. We've got. <laughs> yeah, we've got... you could get chips. You could get this. Oh, you like corn dogs? That's a disgusting food stuff. He's going. Why did you pick a phallic food stuff? That's what yeah. he said. And then, and then he's not says, having a frozen banana for dessert. And then his son says, "What? what what's going on?" And he, and he just says, "Don't put yourself in grown-up scenarios." You're just a kid. You're just a, You're kid. Just a kid. And then he awkwardly puts his arm around him. just While like, he's eating that corn dog. Yeah, stuffing it what in his mouth. F- absolute fuck. And then... I think this film was written by a whole bunch of idiots. <laughs> I, don't, I think some of them got it right. So, there, there were some bits in it which they nailed it somehow. And, and then other parts they just totally missed the but fucking the whole mark. The whole broth of that film is, is very grim. I I read I, I'm in my entire lifetime, Petros. I won't watch that film ever again. I think I'll join you in that. I think we're gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna watch that film. I, I I didn't think Nicholas Cage did badly, and I didn't think uh, you know uh, Nicholas Holt did badly. Um, I didn't think that the, the young daughter was very good as well. Michael Caine was fucking dog shit. 
<laughs> it was fucking awful. Yeah, or I like right, right. Um, the actress it was brilliant. I can't remember. I don't know what her name is classic. Who played Noreen? Yep, Noreen. She's wonderful. Um, you know, I just I'm just never going to watch this film again. You know why? Because it's bleak. It's depressing. It brings me nothing in life. <laughs> it brings me no philosophical innovations I didn't have before. It doesn't make me feel great about anything, or it doesn't it doesn't sort of inspire intrigue in any direction. It just makes me feel sad about everything. And that brings us on to a bit of wonder and joy and magic in this film because the next scene is um, just Nicolas Cage walking into work and who just fucking pops out of nowhere? Michael bloody Kane, you're only supposed to blow Is he, the is he not door. dead yet? He's not dead. Fucking he, die, Michael Kane. He pulls up in a car and instead of shouting like son or David or Dave, he just shouts, Weatherman to which to, <laughs> to which, his son to his son who Weatherman who recoils in like terror that he's going to be like faced with like a a large stuffed crust pepperoni pizza to the face a slush puppy bukkake <laughs> and um, he invites him into the car and they kind of like he plays him the Bob Seger song and essentially asks. What the fuck was all this about? I'm trying to find some meaning in what you meant by you, I remind you of this song. And he's like, listen on a bit longer. And he's like, something about like, he stands true to his decisions. He's like, I want you to talk about that. That's what I want you to talk about. Dan. I wish it was just you on the, on the, on the radio. <laughs> he stands true to his decisions. <laughs> There's something along them lines or something like, like he grows mask because he's hard rock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then the dad uh, says to him, like, I've read your book. And, like, has a very low... <laughs> shit. Yeah, and a very, like, he's like, what do you think? And he just kind of goes, uh, like, a very, like, uh, like... I don't really want to say much because I don't really like it. Oh, I, don't really want, I don't really like it. It's really shit. <laughs> Master Wayne. Um, and then um, he's like, I practised for years at writing books and that's how I got good. Just how you, like, practised at the weather. <laughs> and, and possibly a saving grace of a line with, it's just wind. It blows everywhere. <laughs> what a way to put down the whole, like, meteorological, like, Just profession. Just wind, It blows everywhere. <laughs> God fucking damn. That is mental. And then, the, and he says to him, like, we must, like, because he explains how he had chucked his book away, like, put it, like, put it in the trash. And I don't know if this is supposed to be, like, a philosophical point, but he says, like, Michael Caine says to uh, Nick Cage, like, you must chuck some stuff in the bin, son. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't, you must I just wasn't chuck it last. in the trash. Like, and it's like, I don't know, should you... I didn't know what he meant. Maybe he meant, like, you should... It's a kind of, like, what roundabout way of saying, like, putting putting things in the past or just letting go of, letting go of resentments, like... yeah. Possibly. I wasn't, I just didn't, I couldn't get any clear reading on what the fuck he just meant there. I don't know. 
Maybe, maybe it's like, I feel like it, you, you sort of need a sort of a good psychic to sort of like read in, into that. Well, he's, line. A, he's a ghost, mate. So like, he don't, don't know what he's going. <laughs> I was on, I was so sure that in that scene when he comes in the car, he was already dead. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was sure about. And then all of a sudden, Nick Cage just falls onto the street because he wasn't sitting in a car at all. Oh, and then, and then he goes, and then he goes mental, and he's like, "I'm a weatherman." <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, he. We have like a funeral scene, which like I kind of want to talk about like cinema funerals that like everyone seems to have an umbrella. There's no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. Not my, myself at like I don't know, and everyone seems to be perfectly dressed in black as well. Like there's always someone who just kind of doesn't get like <laughs> just doesn't have a black suit and is kind of like there in like a a burgundy, some... a burgundy number at a funeral, like just kind of apologising to everyone, going, "Oh, they don't, they don't have a black suit," and like, they've all <laughs> they've all just like per- like perfectly get out of the car at the exact same time, umbrellas up at the exact same moment, and uh, kind of has this exchange with his kids about like his daughter says to him. Like sorry for your loss and like stuff like that and the son there's like a moment between him and his son because the son's like I want to be I want to be a cameraman and he's me. like yeah that's great yeah do what you do what you want to do just no adult situation <laughs> yeah, yeah. no condoms <laughs> 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 and um, yeah oh they, that's complicated because of the corn dog yeah yeah and yeah, then the corn um, dog makes it sound like he's going I know you're gay that is weird. That is weird. Do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. But no corn dog. <laughs> and then, like, oh, we get this. We that, just that get... film. This film leaves, leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Man. Oh, that's a, that's a poor choice of words, uh, Bob. Let you think about that for a second. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we get this kind of weird, weird, like a voiceover of him saying, like, he accepts the fact that he's just a weatherman, and like, I feel like this is supposed. And then to be all the streets grand... are suddenly rid of people, so yeah. he's just alone. Some grand like, moment, and then suddenly like, he roams the streets alone as the weatherman. It doesn't make it makes no it, sense. It's fucking complete nonsense. And and despite <laughs> screening all their calls, he seemed to bag this job at Hello America, even though he just seems to be a because he's so fuck. great, isn't he? He's, he's so, so great. great. Yeah, he, he's so great. Yeah. <laughs> How was it that the viewers described him? They said. Uh, they said. They said. We hate him so much, we don't like his face, his asshole face. <laughs> Yet, they thought he would be the face of American weather. Not just, not just, not just local weather. This is, this is, this is national. This is, is big time. Is there another, is there another chapter to talk about just the overall feeling about this movie? Um, we could possibly get on to some, some little, <laughs> some little, some little, some li- let's get to the end of the plot of this film. Oh, have which... we not actually ended the film yet? No, because um, you see him like, he's still doing the archery and this is when a gentleman just pulls out <laughs> a piece of paper from his pocket and he's like, can I get an autograph? Oh, for God. And it's like, he, he, like it's kind of showing that he's changed his ways because he's like... Yeah, I bloody love to. Like, I'm, I'm all about that now. Here's an autograph. And um, he says that, like, I've written down here, um, no throw, carry bow. Because he says nobody throws anything at him anymore because possibly... He carries a bow. He carries a bow and arrow, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because if they throw anything, they're going to get fucking Robin Hood in the back of the head. Do you know what I mean? He'd be arrested on the streets of New York. Definitely. 
Isn't that, isn't there like isn't there laws against like car- I don't know like guns? In I, America, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think I think if you do have the, the, the various licenses, you could get away with it. I don't know. I you just don't. look like a bit of a nutter. Yeah, he'd be a fucking nut. He definitely wouldn't be hired by that meteorology institute. And then he ends up on the float at like the Thanksgiving Day parade with none other than SpongeBob behind him, and like <laughs> it ends with the line, "At least I'm in front of SpongeBob." Ah, you know what I have to say? If I can say about that, that hallucination scene—I believe it's hallucination where he's watching out the window yeah, and he yeah. sees SpongeBob. Th- that is fucking hugely well done. I, I, I would, I'd argue, if they just kept it at that and they'd never mentioned SpongeBob again in the whole thing, that would be fucking iconic. That would be really good. That would actually be the thing that this film would be remembered for because it is really cool. Just it's literally, Cage's daughter is sleeping in bed. Cage is drinking. You just see the silhouette like of his head. It looks cool. It's almost like one of the original, the Dark Knight, right? Like, the original Dark Knight posters. It's like he's like sitting in front of huge windows yeah, yeah, yeah. of glass while SpongeBob floats over. It's so fucking immersive and cool. It really is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, beyond the whole SpongeBob concept, it's just a great, great sequence. But like the fact at the end, the last line is him going, "SpongeBob's behind me at least." And I'm in the... What the fuck? You know what that does? It dates it. It dates it massively. Massively, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, in, exactly the, what the, I thought. There is no way in a hundred fucking years that anyone's going to fucking remember The Weatherman. And that's, you know, not because it's a weird film about, about, about fucking camel toe. The reason why people don't remember this fucking <laughs> film is because it has no fucking relevance in, in terms of all time. And SpongeBob will timestamp it to 2005. That's it. So, um, on that note, would you recommend people at home watch this film? I thought you were going to say, does Spongebob have a camel toe? But the answer for both is no. Great. Um, (laughs) You certainly won't be watching this film again. I hopefully, like, I hopefully won't unless, like, I don't know, I end up doing, like, a fans pick me go back over this or something or something like that or like listeners yeah a listener's choice uh episode i don't i'm I literally coming up with this on the spot or i hope i never have to watch this film again i'm just saying that out loud uh now um so you now know what me and bob think about the film there is only one thing left to do and that is to find out what the good people on the internet have to say about that so I usually have scores from all types of places, but I always go off the free that Google gives me as soon as I Google a film. And this week we have IMDb. What do you reckon the score is going to be like for this, Bob? I'd reckon uh, I'd say uh, six six point five. Six point six out of ten, my friend. <laughs> yeah. And then ro- Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think we're going for with that? I'd reckon a, I'd reckon a 50, 55%. 59. <laughs> Pretty close. Do you feel like these scores so far are like hitting around like what you would kind of rate this film? Kind of. I'd probably rate, rate a bit lower. <laughs> I definitely I definitely feel that this is a below 50% film. Like I don't there's elements of it that I I kind of enjoy but like as a whole it's too well shot to be given a bad score. It is really well... That's one thing we really didn't talk about. It's really well shot. Yeah. And, like, like Nicholas Cage... Like, again, like, Nicholas Cage's performance in this, like... It's great. It's great. He plays that character, like, 
it's believable. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Even like as someone who like week in week out just watches Nicholas Cage, I, I'm always amazed at like how immersed I am in the performances that he gives. Mm-hmm. And just like uh, Lord of War last week, and um, yeah, this film. I was just like, I believed him as that character and he played it really well and it was like believable and like something about him is enjoyable. He's kind of got like a likability even when he's playing these like douchebag asshole characters. I agree, he really brings something to it. And we're bringing on to our final score that we have on um, Google and that is from the late, great Roger Ebert. And he gave this film a three point four, a three point five out of four. So Ooh, a, that's pretty, that's pretty close to a four. Yeah, a high score. Well, he only, yeah, he only did it out of four. So I'm not sure what swing way he really has on that. Like, mm. um, I think Ebert's a bit of a dick sometimes. So I, who I mean, Roger Ebert? Yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah, with the silence? I don't know. I was no, 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 no definitely. Yeah, no, no. I didn't know who you meant. No, 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 no. That's fine. Yeah, no, yeah. No, yeah. I, th- I think Roger. We're talking about Roger Ebert here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the man has been wrong many, many times. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. about, I mean, eccentrically wrong about some things. Like, like to the point where I just, I just can't grasp why he dislikes or likes something. I, I, I kind of think like sometimes films are dependent on mood. Like so many factors come into play. That's why sometimes, like, the idea of like reviewing films is is a weird concept to me sometimes because, like, I don't know. You could have had a really bad day, and then something that is light and fluffy <laughs> can just be. It can be enjoyable in that moment and lift yeah. your spirits. But like, subject like subjectively great, objectively is a piece of dog shit. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Do you have anything more to add on this film, Bob? I, I, I think as a final note, I'd say on this film, is I think that somebody tried to mishmash a film about dads, a film about death, a film about archery, with a film about weathermen, and it went fucking wrong. Well, so on that note... But thank God for Nicolas Cage. Oh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, as always... I've been Petros Patsilavus. I've been Bob. We've been caged in. You've been sat at home under a blanket, just shivering of the cold that is this dark, camel toe infested, <laughs> child molesting piece of fucking cold breeze up your up your nightdress. That is the weatherman. Bye. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Drip Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.